Four rings fire, two rack of lamb, one red snapper. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Here we are, episode five, Beyond the Pass. Uh, Beyond the Pass. Um, Beyond anything you've ever heard. um, So, yeah, man, 27th floor, beautiful Vantage venues. Follow us at Vantage Venues for all that great food content, all the virtual plannings, weddings. Uh, You can get some good content from my girl, Erin Henderson, from the Wine Sisters. Shoutouts to her. Um, Yeah, man, we got a good one today. pretty comfortable for me uh kind of a guy that's become my buddy in the last few years well we've been working together uh really cool story uh sort of started out in in tv for that was his main career and then fell half ass backwards into a restaurant that he owns and runs and we call him the commission man i can i can say from uh from like our work relationship and friendship the man does a very good job uh I think he's a great guest and I can't wait to talk to him about some stuff. So Sebastian Sole, 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 but I like, I like how you, uh, I like you put a little flair on there. So what's the pronunciation? Sebastian Sole. That's, that's a good name. Oh, I'm glad you like it. And I'm glad you're here. Yeah, it's good flow. Um, And like, I'm glad you were here to tell me how to say it because I butchered almost everybody's name. That should be your thing. It is. It's my thing, even though I don't mean for it to be my thing. Like the the only name I didn't butcher was Luke McCabe, just because, like you know, Luke's name is Luke. Well, Chen Chen, you got too, right? Chen Chen wasn't too hard for you. You had to practice a bit, but you got it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, need the repeating name. It always helps. Um. So let's hear it, man. Like, let's hear the start of of Sebastian. Like. Or Seb, we're, I'm going to call you Seb. I That's easy. Yeah, go, go, time. don't go any more than three characters. Um, yeah, so what's the story, Seb? Like, how did it all begin for you career-wise or um, even, like, starting with school? Like, what's the beginning? Law, well, what are we talking about law, or are we talking way let's back? Let's talk way back. Let's okay, all right. Way back. Well, let's see. Where did I uh, – so I graduated from the University of Guelph. Go Griffins. Uh, way back when. Uh, and then shortly after graduation, I – departed for Japan to go teach English. So I stayed in Japan for a couple of years. Uh, I came back to good old Burlington and uh, I got a, I picked up a gig as a bar back at a restaurant called the Martini House, a slick little operation they had going there. Uh, and I was contemplating either film school or teacher's college. And uh a buddy of mine was working at MTV at the time, a newly, newly licensed show, and uh, they needed a driver, a PA gig. So I was like, yeah, it was a two-week contract. I took it and uh, turned into a full-time gig, eventually worked my way up to becoming a, a segment producer. And uh, yeah, kind of did that for a few years and then went on to, uh, to do So You Think You Can Dance, uh, did a few other small contracts in between, went back to Bell Media, worked for the Movie Network and Much Music, and uh, did a couple shows there. And then, lo and behold, 
mass layoffs were happening uh, across the media landscape. I was one of the... Uh, shocked. I'm shocked to hear that. Yeah. Well, I was maybe one of the lucky ones. Uh, I got, got a good package and I started helping out the founder of Lob at the, just before launch. Uh, I was just kind of helping him out, literally like building, constructing the tracks and which we'll get to probably later. And next thing I knew what I was running the place. And it, and it was just like that, right? It, it was. was. Just, and the next thing you, knew you were just running the place. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It was a crazy, uh, it's been a crazy couple of years. So um, right off the bat, um, we'll even skip the, the building of Lob and the opening of Lob for a second. We'll talk about that because I think me and you have a little bit of insight on what that ride was like. Um, <laughs> but uh, what's your first, like, what's the first thing that you noticed when it, when you had to start running a restaurant, was there anything that sort of bridged between being a producer and running a restaurant? Yeah, no, of course. Uh, like live television and a restaurant, a very similar setting. Um, and the fact that like, yeah, there might be a whole bunch of other crazy stuff going on behind the scenes, but your audience should know no different. Should be a smooth operation, right? They don't know if it things are on fire back there, but yeah, that's, Really, you're just trying to give people the best experience ever, much like television, much like uh, at a dining at a restaurant. Okay. Regardless so, of what's happening behind the scenes. So let's get the, the start of the lob thing. So I, I can add to this a lot because for me, lob was this crazy ride of, um, I was in the kitchen here at Vantage Venues, um, sort of in the summertime when we were slow and I was the only one here just sort of wrapping up for the summer because we, we really died down in the summer and the the old owner of uh of lob came in the kitchen and i maybe met him a couple times through friends um and he just said to me hey andrew told me i could come up here and ask you a few questions about running a restaurant and opening a kitchen and i was like okay and it <laughs> ended up being a two-hour conversation uh very in-depth and yeah uh from then on uh after that two-hour conversation was done i was the new chef of Lob Toronto. And it was like a two and a half year process, very meticulous. Like I, um, the opening of Lob was the longest process I've ever been a part of. Like I actually opened another restaurant in between <laughs> the beginning of the opening Lob. Worked at that restaurant for a year and a half as the chef there as well. Uh, sort of parted ways with them uh, and then came back to Vantage in time to open Lob. Like, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was, yeah, it was crazy, but I mean, I think so. So maybe we should just little brief definition of what lob is. Lob is, it's a fairly big space in Leslieville. It's a 10,000 square foot venue. You've got, uh, a nine, nine course tracks and lob it. The game is a cross between mini putt and, and bocce. So there's nine game, uh, nine tracks featuring the game. And there's also an 80 seat restaurant, which, you know, the ins and out of, uh, and I originally like you were kind of like, con like vantage venues was contracted out to That's run, right. to run the kitchen. Right. Yeah. And thank God, like, I think if, if the original owner or even I had to take on the kitchen aspect as well as everything else. No way. Well, not only that, like in van having vantage venues on your side and Andrew and all of that, um, 
is great, but just getting me in the package, like I'm the fucking man. Like, <laughs> the fact that you guys got to use me, like I second that. <laughs> well, you know what? Like, listen, I don't know if you're joking, but it's true. Like, we were very lucky because Lob Lob does a lot of big groups, uh, and like, listen, I I love cooking, but try and tell me to hammer out the same meal for 20 people oh. and have consistency. No way. Not a chance. Like, oh. and with law too, right. As you know, like on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, especially in the winter months, that place is uh, to coin the phrase for my friend, Asia is like a box of hamsters. Just everybody's crawling all over each other. There's no direction. There's 120 drunk people <laughs> winging massive bocce balls around everybody's coming in for dinner at the same time. Nobody has seats. Like it's like, it can, it gets pretty, cacky. it does, it yeah. does, but it's, it's busy mainly place. groups. Like you're cooking for groups. Oh yeah. So like, it can be busy. So the organization of like, I guess it would be, even be like casting or, or uh, producing a show. Does any of that, just the organization part help with how you run a dining room or is there not really any correlation there? Uh, I mean, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say there's too much correlation really. Like you're just trying, you're just trying to hire the best people you can to make your operation as smooth as possible. And that would go, I think for any kind of industry. Um, yeah. Um, what about like, as far as like the restaurant industry in general, like, did you have very much experience other than that bar backing or any <laughs> thought? Like if I was to say, Seb, what did you think the food scene was like in Japan when you were there? Would you just be like, I just fucking love ramen and sushi, bro. I have no idea. Oh no. Like, Hey, listen, I love, like, I love going out to restaurants. Like I love it. I love, and living in Japan for a couple of years was fantastic. Like, I mean, I had raw, raw chicken there. <laughs> it's the only place in the world that I'd probably try it. And I wouldn't recommend it. It wasn't that good at all, but uh, no, I mean, and that's a, and that's a culture that loves their food, respects it. And yeah, no, uh, the food scene there was pretty impressive actually. So even for, for somebody who wasn't in the restaurant industry yet, like you still sort of oh, yeah. how big the food scene is there, right? Oh yeah, for sure. I'd like to uh, jump in on that. Uh, Japan, that was my first question. So um, you were there for how many years in total? Two. What city were you based out of? So it's a place called uh, Nagoya. So it's... Uh, I know got, Nagoya, actually. Yeah, I know I it. A bit industrial, I guess you could say maybe the Hamilton of Japan. You've got Tokyo. <laughs> the Hammer of Japan. The Hammer wow. of Japan. You've, well, you've yeah. got Tokyo uh, up to the north of you and uh, Osaka yeah. to... Uh, to the east, so it's uh, or to to the west, and yeah, no, it's a great, is well situated geographically. Like you could get anywhere, and it was a good little good little spot. Yeah, you can zip around Japan pretty good on the trains. Um, you know, so your experience there with like the culture, um, you picked up the language. Just give me some detail. Give me like a day in the life of uh, like what you when you were yeah, kind a of situated. Like I was, English. I, I could ask for directions and order mm -hmm. some basic things, uh, but you know. Predominantly, I was speaking English <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, no, the, the gig was great. Like you work for six hours a day and you got paid pretty decently and, uh, and you got to like really experience a culture. I mean, that's, there's one thing to visit a place and there's another to live in it, I think. And uh, yeah. living in it was, was phenomenal. So what was the staple? Like, what, what was your favorite eat while you were there? Say that again, Nate. What was the staple? Like, what was your favorite thing to eat while you were there? It's, I'll tell you what I started with. They have like these curry vending machines mm -hmm. that are phenomenal. Like, especially like when it, like 
you know, I hadn't been, let's see, I was in my 20s, so I hadn't been traveling too much then. And uh, Japan is like, it's a, especially Nagoya, like not a lot of people spoke English. So it was like alien, like everything was so different. So to not have to talk to anyone and be able to get a meal was pretty, it was pretty convenient because you literally just, all right, money goes in here, push a couple buttons. And, and you don't even have to ask. Them you don't have to ask for anything. And like, right? there you go. Give them the ticket. Okay. Make it. That's what we should be doing at lab. <laughs> vending machines. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's a, the vending machine things are real, like a real popular thing in Japan. Right. Nate. Um, like I know that, uh, it's probably even, even watching some serious, like, they're like taking you on like ramen tours. Like if you're watching something and like, Oh, this is the best spot in this city. And it's like in a subway station and they're, they're getting it out of a vending machine. And I'm just like, this is incredible. Like I, I love this idea. Like, Oh yeah, no, their vending machines are incredible. Like you get underwear from a vending machine if you needed it. (laughs) Not even your own. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably true. That is probably true. Um, So the, the TV thing. So you start, so you said that you had the choice between teacher's college and uh, going into film. Did you yeah. actually end up going into film or did you just? No, it was like film school. I was going to like do another year of schooling. And then I, I got lucky with this, uh, this gig at MTV that just kind of rolled into television. So it's a job driving. And then. You just yeah, I was literally, it was supposed to be a two week contract. I was like just driving people around and, uh, and then they kept, kept me on to do something else it just kind of kept me on. It turned into something else. I got turned into a full-time gig and I just didn't look back. Were you like one of those guys for like three years later that didn't even know if you're on payroll? (laughs) Who is this guy? What is it? So you think you could dance? Yeah. Let's just put him on that. Let's put him on. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, So, so you, so would, would you consider the biggest show that you were a part of to be, so you think you could dance or was there? Yeah. Budget, budget wise. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what was wise. your, what's your, what was your regular day um, doing that? Like, what was that? Uh, well, basically, like, I mean, we all traveled across the country, right? The casting of dancers was like pretty crazy. So you'd go, so for four, yeah, it was four seasons. I did the entire run. We would just go across the country, cast a bunch of auditions, all these dancers. And then uh, once we, we'd stay behind and do home stories. Once we kind of figured out, all right, we know who we want to cast. Not sure how far these people are going to go, but they have an interesting story or we try and make it interesting. A lot of the time it's not interesting. It's like what me and Nate are doing with you right now. Yeah. Yeah. You're trying to make this interesting. <laughs> I'm giving you everything I got guys. <laughs> you polish that turd. That's what we do. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. You're polishing turds. Uh, and that's what I did basically for television. I polished turds. Uh, I mean, that's reality TV. Um, so anyways, that was like the audition process would go across country and then you'd come back and you'd have like your finals week where you kind of just whittle down a hundred dancers down to 20 or, and then it goes down to 10 and then you've got this, like the studio aspect show. So what's the craziest thing that happened on set there for you? Like, was there like any fights, breakdowns? Oh, there's always breakdowns. Cast members boning each other. Like oh, I'm sure. Scenes. I'm sure that's happening. I mean, you're sequestered for weeks. That's you're young and beautiful, and you're sequestered for weeks. Of course, that's happening. You were young and beautiful back then too. Oh no, no. I was. I don't think I was ever young. I don't remember what that felt like. Uh, no, like I mean, 
I don't know. Nothing really crazy. I think like the craziest thing would just be like just some of the budget stuff was just like, okay, this thing costs $50,000 to shoot and we're not going to use any of it. <laughs> oh, really? So oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like that, that happened once or twice. It was pretty crazy. Just like the, I think that's the most surprising thing about television. And this also relates back to the, to the restaurant industry is that how the fuck does anyone make money? <laughs> like my first day on set was just like, look at all these bloody people. Like, how do you make money? It's much like a, like the restaurant industry. Like, look how much we're paying for rent. Look at all these people. How are we making it? <laughs> Honestly, I have that conversation at Love with Asia all the time. Every time I saw how many servers Neil scheduled, like, why do we have so many servers here? How do we make it money? <laughs> what the hell is going on? Uh, uh, so you also did a little stint on Much Music, right? Yes. So what's, what was the big difference between Much Music and MTV? Are they comparable at all? Or is it not really apples to apples? It's not. Like, it's so fun. Like, I mean, this just goes back to like the bureaucrat of, this is, is going to get boring. TV sounds a lot more interesting than it actually is. Like MTV was actually a talk show license. We, could, we didn't actually have a music license. So when we actually worked for MTV, like we could only show, we we're very limited how much music we could show. That's wild. Much music is, is a, has a full-on music license. Um, and by the time I got there, though, I mean, all their show was programming was cut. So what we did was interstitials. So these really short, like 30 seconds, one minute tops. And that just counts towards Canadian content. It was an extreme, it was like, it was a sausage factory, basically. Not even. It's just like, that's where you, that's where you go to die. Perfect. <laughs> this is getting gloomy. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that <laughs> the TV stuff is not exciting. Uh, okay. So uh, you roll up to LOP. You've now figured out that you're now an owner of this place. Uh, you're running this place on a daily basis. Who's the guy, who's the person uh, that kind of like grabs you by the arm and helped drag you through at the beginning that sort of like learned you the ropes, taught you sort of how to do things? Uh, who, who, who did that for you? Or how did you manage to drag yourself through with not having so much experience? But I know I can say because I worked on the other side, like things were pretty seamless and like, you were doing a good job. So what was it? What well, happened? I mean, we went through a couple GMs, right? So we had, uh, and then in the beginning, I really, I was just just trying to get my head wrapped around like the financial aspect of it and just kind of those duties. I, I really just kind of trusted the GM at the time that it was managing. Okay. It didn't, it wasn't going that great. We actually had to make a change. Right. Um, and I think bringing Neil in really kind of helped like he's, super experienced. I know him on a personal level, right? His, like his wife and my wife are good friends. And that really helped. Uh, that was huge. I mean, just, he definitely had a very high level of, uh, of service that, that he brought to love. And I, I think that that really helped. So yeah, that's Neil Brown. You're talking about Neil, uh, for those who don't know who Neil Brown is, which I find hard to believe because Neil's a living legend in his mind. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, he's been the general manager at Jacobs for what 150 years. Yeah, at least 150. <laughs> yeah. At least, yeah. Um, and he's got a lot of uh, restaurant experience. Really, really intelligent dude. Um, yeah. So that's Neil. So that was Neil. That's sort of what having Neil Brown did for you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Just kind of and getting the right people in place, really. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, so Sebastian, just to sort of um, segue from. 
questions, you know, even, you know, from high school till this present day, including any, like any mentor. I mean, we all have like a list from professional careers, our personal careers, anybody that you just sort of inspired you on a professional level, anybody you want to mention, give some love to here on uh, beyond the pass. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, TV wise, I mean, uh, Fraser Brown was, uh, was a massive influence. He was uh, just one of these guys that was just too smart <laughs> for his own good and just an incredible work ethic. And uh, he just kind of had all his checks and balances. Like uh, he was great. Like he even keeled uh, Mark McInnes was another one. He was uh, the VP of productions at, uh, at, at MTV. Again, just uh Somebody that took chances uh, and you could go even go back to, I mean, who ran um, So You Thinking Dance was Sandra Fair. Uh, she passed away a couple of years ago, but she was the wife of Yvonne Fasson, who was like the big dog at Bell Media before, or sorry, at uh, CTV before they sold it to Bell Media. And those are two people that just love to win. Like they weren't in it. I don't think they were in it for the money. Like Sandra Fair, I mean, this lady was, you know, wise. She'd been in the in the industry for years, and still, like, she made every single decision on that show. And and I think that was just a testament to be like, I didn't maybe I didn't agree with every one of those decisions, but she was like, "This is my show. I'm going to make every single decision, so I know exactly what's going on." And I had to hand it to her. Like, I mean, she got it done. Um, she, yeah, all those people took chances, which is, uh, you don't see that a lot anymore, especially in television. And that's what you're currently doing a lot as we speak, correct? Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, definitely a leap of faith, a chance, diving in with the uh, head first on that one. So just touch on a bit more details on law, because I don't, I mean, I, I know the basics of it. I mean, Kyle's been giving me tidbits here and there. So a, a day in the life of Lob, like let's, let's talk about the food program a little bit here. I mean, Kyle and I are both chefs. I'm, uh, I'm pretty curious. This is probably a question to both you and Kyle. What, what is the food program like? What is the emphasis on? Give me a couple of dishes that fly out the door. I'm curious myself. Well, I, I mean, I think we were just, I guess described as elevated pub fare. I don't know if I like that term or not, but I guess it kind of, it fits the bill. Um, I, you know, we were trying to think of ways that we could uh, cater to large groups and also to uh, individual sizes too. So a lot of those sandwiches were uh, that we have there, like the Nashville chicken sandwich, which is my personal favorite. Uh, those that's, he does a there's a miniature version of that. Um, so that's what I really like with the food, food program. I like it. It's good. Everything's fresh. Mm-hmm. Food is great. And it can also work for smaller groups too. Like you can get a bit of everything with the, with the groups. Yeah. So a pat on the back there, Kyle. Yeah, no, uh, like the food program, like I take probably way too, way too serious or I'm way too serious about it. Um, <clears throat> I'm sure that some of the, the owners of Lob would wish I'd calm down a little bit. Just, uh, for fuck's you know, sakes. We, uh, <laughs> we, we make all of our own bread there. So if like you're getting a burger there, Ooh. it's on a fresh bun. If you're mm. getting the Nashville hot chicken, we make the, the uh, fresh white bread every single day. Um, uh, the Nashville hot chicken sandwich is probably the most, uh, um, the best seller on the menu, but also because like, and we just had Chen Chen on a few episodes ago. It's like, that's a very trendy thing right now, but it's like, 
everything on that sandwich is made in house. We make the bread and butter pickles. We make the. I had no idea you made the bread in house. Kudos, man. That's pretty yeah, impressive. Uh, yeah. The bread and butter pickles get made in house. Um, all the pickles for our burgers get fermented. We have a little fermenting uh, setup here at Vantage, and we sort of uh, take things back and forth. So, you know, uh, between Barry and myself, we'll have three or four, uh, five different things fermenting at a time back before pandemic time, like even on our falafel board, we were fermenting our own turnips and our own vegetables for that. So uh, yeah, we weren't, we weren't joking around, even with the Nashville trying to find ways of doctoring it up. I think, uh, you know, traditionally with Nashville, a lot of the glazes like that, uh, the chili oil that you're making and you're putting all your, your seasonings into that oil or that butter to, to really like drench that chicken in before you hit it with some more spice. Like we use the, we use fresh duck fat every day. So we make our Nashville, instead of using oil or whatever, we use duck fat. That's like another little thing that we do just to sort of elevate everything a bit. Um, and even though it's pub food, take it pretty, pretty seriously. Like, oh, it sounds like it. Asia must really hate you sometimes when you're in the, when you're, when you're really humping there and, and you're making everything from scratch. I mean, the bread, the bread is, is, is really impressive. Um, yeah. It takes time and, you know, I mean, Asia is a, a killer in her own right. Maybe we should bring her on the show. But yeah, uh, she's great for sure. And I, I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to do the things that I do there without her. And um, she's a really great chef and, and almost probably a better baker. So, I mean, uh, plays to her so she doesn't mind it. yeah, so um, we're really lucky there. And then, you know, a guy like Seb really, uh, he's like empowering in that way because he understands it. He wants the food to be a little bit of a story too, as much as it is mm -hmm. a pain in the ass, I'm sure. No, absolutely. You've got to have a good meal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that's sort of, uh, that's sort of how the food goes there. Um, and then once every two months, uh, my big boss, Andrew Hodge, shout out Mr. Hodge, um, crawls on my ass about the labor costs a little bit because, <laughs> because it's not sustainable to, yeah. to make uh, wait a minute you're making all this bread why yeah. we can buy it for pennies uh so yeah uh, but you know he uh he always seems to to give me give me the way i want it so i i guess thanks andrew for for letting me uh take advantage of the labor so that we can do nice fresh food all the time so that's sort of what the food scene is supposed to be at love well, it's true. Like people come for the game and then they're blown away by the food. Yeah. Which is great. That actually, I, and I really do think that that's a thing is when people go to a place like that, they just assume the food's going to be shit. I mean, I assume that it's going to be when I go to places like that. And uh, so when they get the food at law, I hope that it's um, not only do they think, oh my God, I can't believe the food here is actually pretty good, that they're, it's, it's something even above that is what I'm hoping for. Mm. Hopefully that's what we're getting. So Nate, I don't know if you know, so we call Sebastian Seb, that's his name, whatever. That's the name that he goes by. Mm -hmm. But the living legend is the commish. So how did the commish start? Because that's what <laughs> everybody knows Seb is the commish, the commissioner. How, what, how did you come up with this character in your head? How did, how did the go? Well, I mean, it's just from running tournaments, really, right? You just kind of needed this authoritative uh, person to be making rulings and and it's just kind of a fun kind of name, like rather than, I don't know, manager. Well, I could say from seeing it, when we had the big lob tournament um, and you dressed up in your suit with your uh, <laughs> lob patch on your suit, you walked around with your sidekick with microphones and did the commentary on all the holes as the commish. I was pretty impressed, man. I was like, I remember looking at Asian being like, holy fuck, this guy really is the right guy for the job. This is amazing. Like that's like <laughs> an above and beyond. That's why you're called the commish because 
you basically made like a fake masters inside of log where you're yeah i mean i mean that's what we're trying to do with it is just kind of like make everyone who plays the game an athlete (laughs) superstar (laughs) take it to like ridiculous levels and treat them like uh man you've done it you you won this game you've got the trophy you've got this like and i think the the more ridiculous you can get it the more fun people will have so i've been obviously at lob on the busy nights the fridays the saturdays where there's seems like you know 200 people 250 people have rolled in and out of there bar hopping all that stuff what is the craziest, dumbest thing a patron at Lob has done, and how did you handle that? <laughs> uh, I'm probably just getting – I'm just trying to think. Uh, I mean, you get people getting sick in the bathroom, but what's – just? I mean, that's probably everywhere, right? Yeah. I mean, people just getting rowdy, rowdy with the balls, with the game. Uh, yeah, because we've had some balls going right through yeah. the walls. Right? Yeah, and I think you kind of just you kind of have some fun with it at first. You'd be like, "All right, that's minus one." Grab their scorecard, dock them a few points, and just say, "You know, take it easy." And then hopefully it doesn't escalate from there, and you don't have to actually forcefully kick them out. I mean, just try and everyone's having a good time. That's usually the general vibe at Lob. Is I think people are really enjoying themselves, uh, and you, you don't want to detract from that. So you try and handle it in a way that allows them to have fun, but nobody's getting a ball to the head or something. Um, so this is, I would say like your first real taste of the restaurant industry other than your little back, uh, bar <laughs> back stand, right? Yeah. How, how, uh, how real is this set? Like if Lob was to go away tomorrow, would you be back in the restaurant industry or would you be doing something else? Like, are you in it to win it now? Or what's the deal with, with like, are you running? If there's no Lob, are you running? the next Southern crown or what are you doing? What are we doing? I mean, I'm, I, no, I don't think I would be, I think you got to be partly crazy to open a restaurant. Like would you guys not agree with me? Like, no, it's true though. Like, I mean, you, you know what you're getting into Yeah. now. I mean, I don't know if I would, if I would put my family through that again, (laughs) like it's nuts. The hours, the cost, the investment, like, Oh man, I I don't think like, what it draws me to this is that like my chance to kind of I mean the game is really impressive and it's like a chance to kind of make it my own a little bit. Uh oh, to do it again like I don't know. I don't know. That's I don't think so, but like you'll be you'll you'll be back to casting commercials like that. Yeah. Yeah, let's go back to <laughs> yeah. I'll make a movie about Lob. That's what I'd rather do. <laughs> Which um, is maybe not a bad idea. Will starring Will Ferrell. <laughs> Okay, so um, what's the future of law? Like, what do you see? Like, what's your like your vision? Not even it doesn't have to be the Andrew Hot vision. He won't listen to this anyway, so don't worry. About it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I think getting uh, multiple locations is the way to go. We know that this is uh, it's a proven concept. We know people really enjoy it, um, and I think just getting more of these open and like at someday down the road, I, I really want to have like the lob international championship. Like you send your best player up to whatever, you know, the, we actually do like the masters of lob and it's like, all right, you made the cut. And that's like your thing, right? Like that's what you love about this place. You love the yeah. Game. It's the fun. Re- you love the game and the restaurant unfortunately comes with it. Right. That's yeah. Sort of- pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's uh that's understandable. I totally get it. Um, 
Nate, what else you got, bud? Um, no, I mean, so where did the concept for lob come? Like the game itself, like with somebody on a couple of beers and a, a couple oh, of great, bowls? Like how did great, it all come about? Great question. So uh, the founder, Ryan, was this capital markets guy in, uh, in New York and uh, for RBC. And, you know, being at a corporate bank, you do your fair share of corporate events. And quite often he was taking his team out. And so he was treating his team out and he'd be like, wait a minute, I just spent thousands of dollars for this. <laughs> and he was just like, wait a minute, I can I come up with a better idea. Took him about five years, but he did it. <laughs> and he's a massive bocce enthusiast. We've played bocce many a times. And he just had this idea, like, I think I can make a really fun, engaging game that anybody could play. He was kind of seeing at the time the rise of bocce places in Manhattan. And uh, he thought he'd kind of come back home, start his family and try this out. Uh, and he was right. Like, I mean, we get a ton of corporate groups. Like this is a great team building event. Um, and the thing with Ryan too, and like uh, part of the joke I made earlier about how Blob was the longest opening in the history of restaurants is like, I mean, Ryan's a very, very smart, intelligent guy. Um, and that guy uh, not only came up with the concept of law, but like that guy is like a purist. Like, I think, uh, uh, you know, when the drunk people are in it on, on Friday and Saturday nights, uh, he, he wants it to, he would want it to be like a pure game, not as, not a rowdy thing because he puts so much effort and so much thought into how that game was supposed to be played, how everything would be laid out. Um, and even with like the restaurant, uh, the menu planning, like, uh, even though it was something he didn't know, it's like, he wanted to know every single step along the way. He did everything himself. Like, uh, Bob definitely wouldn't be what it is today without Ryan Dolan, like literally putting his like heart and soul into that place. Oh yeah. Every no. little bit of that place. So. Everything was very meticulously thought of. It was, <laughs> it was pretty impressive. So is his lob game, uh, is he the, is he the king of the lob or what? Like who's, who's he's the a, guy? He's, he, he he's a strong. pretty, he's got a pretty good botch game. I, uh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, he's, he's, he's very competitive too, obviously. And yourself? What's game. your game like? It's pretty good. Pretty yeah. damn good. I don't have the course record. Unfortunately, I have to give that to Neil, but I'm uh, consistent. I'm pretty consistent. Yeah, you're shooting for it. Excellent, cool. That's a, no. I got to get there. Actually, I've never stepped foot in that place. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so you know, when the smoke clears, well, obviously, I'll be stepping foot in the front door to uh, get some Southern Crown on. You know what I mean? It's happening yeah. to you. That's right. Yeah, Southern Crown, Crown. Yeah, starting next week uh, on Wednesday. Yeah, Southern Crown is. Uh, It'd be a maiden stay at law until the restrictions lift and we're allowed to have bodies back in law. The Southern Crown's going to be using that space. Uh, so check us out at Southern underscore Crown uh, underscore Smokehouse for all that uh, Caribbean slash Southern flavor, you know? I can't wait. So, so legit. Kyle, do I need to come on the first night or do you need to iron out the wrinkles? You just let me know, okay? Uh, yeah, you come whenever you need to, bud. Like, uh, we're planning on staying for as long as we can. Uh, Seb has been great helping us out with that. So we're, we're definitely, uh, um, me and Seb are going over there afterwards. So he can sure to give me the rundown of everything. And I've got like in the back of my little Toyota RAV4, I have a massive drum smoker that my whole car just smells like smoked meat right now. <laughs> so I just had to truck oh. it in. I just had to truck it in from the country. So come and pick me up now. Yeah. Um, okay. So, um, we're going to hit you, Seb. So get ready. Hit me. Hit you. Hit me. Here it comes. Let's do it. Three random questions. 
Okay, first random question. Uh, more cocaine in the TV industry or in lob? Probably lob. Yeah. yeah. No <laughs> the, can, the, Canadian, the Canadian television industry, people don't make nearly as much as, they, as their American counterparts. They can't afford cocaine. Oh, man. Yeah, lob for sure. Yeah. I've definitely walked into the bathroom a lob a few times and seen some unspeakable things. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, I got one. I got one, Kyle. Um, we're both huge music fans. I don't know what your musical taste is. Um, Deserted Island, one record for the rest of your life. Let's hear it. Oh, one record for the rest of my life. Oh, this is just kind of top of mind. I think I might go, I might go old school here. Okay. Go Paul Simon Graceland. Ooh, okay. It's one of my favorite albums of all time. I can listen yeah, to the okay. whole thing end to end. Cover to cover. Yeah. I like it, man. That's good. That's a good answer. What's the, so with much music then, did you have a chance to, to do a lot of music stuff at all or like see live music, see some concerts? Oh my God, no, MTV was amazing for live music. Okay, so what's the best, who's the best thing that you saw? What's the best? Oh my God, we were so lucky because we would get these bands before they would break. So like we got Adele before she was like huge. Um, it's when they're trying harder too, right? Well, and she loved playing there. And it's like, so... MTV was filmed at the um, Masonic Temple, which is like pretty like, you know, a stalwart, really like an iconic uh, place for music, like the Stones played there. Uh, so, oh man, uh, TV on the radio. I got to see them when they're one of their first albums. Uh, they were awesome. Uh, the Mars Volta, sorry, the Mars Volta played there and they never play live. So that was kind of a, a really unique experience, but I think TV on the radio just nailed it when they uh, just like the performance. Oh, it was incredible! It was incredible. Yeah, okay. Oh my god, I, oh, sorry, I, go ahead, I forgot Kanye West is what launched uh, MTV before Kanye West was like huge. When MTV Canada launched, Conway Kanye West played a, pri uh, a private uh, oh, and you were there, and you were there. yeah, it was incredible. It was unbelievable. Oh, wow. Kanye, well, of course, Kanye's yeah. man, so yeah, that makes sense. I mean, a genius, a freak show and a genius at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. Yeah. He's very eclectic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> very so eclectic. That's, I, that's, the, that's the way I like to put it. Uh, all right. So where do you eat in the city then? You said you like to go out. Like, give me a couple spots where it's just like, you know, that's, give me your like circle of three awesome spots you love to eat at. Oh, man. Oh, three awesome spots. Okay. I can go, I can go high end and I go low end. Like, I love, I love it all. Whatever. Um, I do like going, so I love dive bars. Uh, and the one dive bar, like, uh, doesn't have a kitchen. It's um, the, uh, oh, shit, I'm going to forget the name right now. On Queen Street, next to Smoke and Bones. Oh, I have no idea. Is that the place that you guys have the sapboard yet? The piano? No, no, that place is uh, the Swan, the Swan Dive. Um, oh, one of my favorite places, uh, Thai place on Queen Street, Nana. Okay, Nana, good to know. I've never been. Fucking incredible. Okay. Like, it's got, it looks like you're uh, on the street in Thailand. Like, it's the plastic yeah. stools, the, and, but the food is just top notch. This is, these are the same people that do, uh, I think, uh, Kosan Road. Um, okay, well, I've been there. That, that's yeah. that song for sure. Nana, I just, I don't know what it is. I just love it. I love the, the look of it. Uh, and the food is just top notch. Um, <laughs> What else? Okay, favorite place to grab a drink. Is that easier? You got one of those? Because what's the best, what's your favorite dive bar? Oh, 
Oh, uh, the inner steer on, uh, it's not a dive bar, but the inner steer on Roncesvalles. Yeah. I love it. I love it. It's all like wooden paneled. Like I love dive bars too. So oh, dive bars are the best. Yeah. I love them. Oh, wait, what's the one I'm thinking of on queen street? This is bugging me now. Cause they take Canadian tire money as currency as currency. Oh, really? They literally take Canadian wow. tire money. Why am I, and they got one of the best patios. Oh, it's killing me right now. The Den right in. The Den right in. Den right in. Okay. That is a phenomenal place. That's All right, it. you can take me there for beers after. Done. Sounds good. Um, I mean, I just like, I just got to give, like, I, I've said this a bunch of times on here, so people are going to stop believing me, but it's like, I mean this to not be like a fluff session. I'm not trying to suck up to you because you just had to come on, but man, for somebody who, uh, you know, sold their soul and went to TV and <laughs> uh, started as a driver and worked his way up and, uh, you know, showed up at a really busy, trendy restaurant in the city um, and just sort of like nailed it, man. Like, uh, I got nothing but respect for you, man. Honestly, uh, one of my favorite restaurant owners I've ever worked for. Um, and I can't wait for Rob to come back so we can keep doing it, man. So uh, that's why I wanted you to be on here. Um, just I have like a, I just have such a high level of respect for a guy that can come in with uh, no idea and then just like ah, fuck it I'm just gonna do it and do it well and uh, you always do what you're gonna you always do what you say you're gonna do and you know lots of restaurant owners don't don't do that so props to you man and uh, like really good job so I'm I'm really happy and pretty geeked out you decided to come on and it was a good chance to see you we haven't seen each other much during pandemic so man it was a uh, it was great having you on here. That's a good thing. This is not on TV. I'm crying right now, everyone. I'm crying. <laughs> well, just to, just to throw a couple more tears in there. I'm just, uh, Sebastian, I'm just trying to wrap my head around your story and how you're launched into this um, ownership game of a busy place and to adjust on the fly like that. I mean, I, I've been in the food service industry since I was 14 and I'm 50 this year. And I've never heard a story like this. So kudos to you, man. It does take a lot of guts. Uh, to dive headfirst in this industry um, and to to weather the storm that we're currently under here. And now you're going to jump on and give Kyle a hand at, at Southern Crown. Um, no kudos to you, man. And then all the best of luck. Uh, multiple lob locations. I'm looking forward to it all over North America, internationally. The best of luck to you. And uh, pleasure meeting you. And uh, I don't know, cost season uh, episode five in the books, right? That's a wrap for us. That's a wrap. Gorgeous vantage venues and my brother, son I never wanted, Kyle McClure, God love you. And Sebastian, pleasure once again and uh, best of luck. And hopefully I can come down and see you and uh, show me me some lob game. Would love to. Thanks for having me, Nathan. Thanks for having me, Kyle. Oh, no problem, bud. And we out of here. Yo, what happened to peace? Peace, 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 peace. peace.